Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Welcome to Have You Seen This. I'm Jennifer Albright. And I'm Tim Heydrich. And I'm Neil Jacoby of Spall Talk, the only podcast where two siblings talk about the life and career of Timothy Spall, and the spinoff podcast Mature Listeners, a eulogy for the untimely death of Vertigo Comics. Uh, may I say, as someone who knows that both of those podcasts are severely underrated and you really should go listen to them, um, very, very informative and funny shows. I sat at home eating ice cream while Jen was doing that. For real. Uh, so what do we got on for tonight? <laughs> Neil, do you want to tell us just what the fuck we watched? Yeah, would you like to explain yourself? <laughs> uh, this is Immortal, a.k.a. Immortal Ad Vitam, written and directed by Enki Bilal, based on a comic by Enki Bilal. And the summary from the back of the Blu-ray case is as follows. New York City, year 2095. A floating pyramid has emerged in the skies above Manhattan, inhabited by ancient Egyptian gods. They've cast judgment down upon Horus, parenthesis, a falcon-headed god, end parenthesis, one of their own. With only seven days to preserve his immortality, he must find a human body to inhabit and search for a mate. The city below, a beautiful young woman, Jill, with blue hair, blue tears, and a power even unknown to her, wanders the city in search of her identity, aided by a doctor who is fascinated by this mystery of nature. Reality in this world has a whole new meaning. As bodies, voices, and memories converge with gods, mutants, mortals, and extra space terrestrials. Stunning visual effects meld with the poetic surrealism of comic book creator Enki Bilal's fantastic epic story. A groundbreaking step into the future of filmmaking. Yeah, so much of this is just like, I gotta stop you there. <laughs> like, at every step, it's just, okay, so we have, I mean, watching the film, it feels like we have three or more stories all kind of mashed together here <laughs> sort of like none of that thematic shit came through yeah so i i mean yes like it it is an accurate assessment in that all these things are there but uh i i don't even know where to start with making sense of all of it well let's start at the beginning just who the fuck is inky Bilal? uh he is a uh european comic book creator i want to say serbian but i don't have Google open for that right now. So. Yeah, he was actually born in, I think, Yugoslavia at the time. And his dad was Joseph Tito's tailor. Uh, oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so that's where he got it. Um, I'm sure most of our listeners, uh, knowing the audience we draw from, will know who Tito is. But uh, he was the... And have opinions on him that we will not get into in fear of getting all of them bad at us simultaneously for different reasons. But yeah, regardless of his place of birth... Um, yeah, I mean, let's all... not disparage an entire country based on this one writer. <laughs> he's he, Well, he's a, he's a comic illustrator, correct? And... Yeah, illustrator and writer. He's much like a lot of Eurocomics people. He is the, the total package, like Lex Luger. And he's actually a really good comic book artist because oh, he's an if incredible you, artist. If, incredible if you watch artist, the movie, you'll see. You, you actually saw it in the movie because there's a scene where uh, Charlotte Rampling playing the doctor is uh, 
conversing with a patient, a CGI patient, because we're going to get into that. And this CGI patient is wearing what I can only describe as, like, it's a jacket with a bit of his comics art put on it as a texture, like you would in, like, a video game where you're putting just a random image as a wrap onto an item of clothing. And it looks so good, too. I, I will say wood cop. <laughs> yeah, not in not in not in pixel format though. Like it's it's not it's not second life shit, but well, you know, as long as we're starting controversy with Tito and all, um let's just get this out of the way right now. Now, there has been some discussion in left Twitter about the merits or lack thereof of some movies which were a part of the bright digital future of the late 90s and early 2000s in that these were movies that were made on what is called a digital backlot. I had no idea that left Twitter had an exclusive claim to that. Well, um, it's been fraught, let me tell you. Are you saying that uh, Final Fantasy The Spirits Within was not the uh, creative powerhouse that... Well, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Final Fantasy The Spirits Within was not shot on a digital backlot. That's an entire CG film. The first yeah, digital backlot Fuck. film was Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Which is what I'm getting to. Which is really no Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so my point is that there is another podcast, which is a very good podcast run by very nice people. Shouts out. S-E-R-G-G-L-S-S-S-S-N. Yes. Um, they're, fr- they're friends of the show. Supporters of the show. Leslie and Jack are great people. But recently they did some episodes saying the Star Wars prequels are actually good. And which is why we're not friends anymore. <laughs> I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere. Now, um... I'm a very forgiving person, but... Yeah, and this is this is a this is a broad topic. Like, I won't belabor it too much. Suffice to say, if you think the prequels are actually good, you're stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like but... I'm sure you're a good person, or you know, you're probably nice to your parents or whatever. But like, yeah, you're wrong. But I mean, like, I have I have shit talked. I have shit talked the prequels to Leslie's face on Twitter because that is I I and I'm usually a pretty nice person on Twitter. Like, I will try to uh, avoid or solve conflicts rather than start them, but I literally said to him the other day, the prequels suck dog dick. They're, they're not good <laughs> movies in any capacity. Um, so, uh, that said, one of the things that uh, people, let's say of my generation, um, finds, found so confounding about the prequels is their essential unreality and the feel that you get when you are making a movie on a digital backlot. Um, it's very difficult for actors, I think. Yeah, there's yeah, a I famous mean... clip of Ian McKellen on the set of, I believe, the first Hobbit movie, where he is uh, at a desk in a, a, a big table in a big green room talking to a bunch of tennis balls on sticks, and he just completely breaks down. <laughs> yeah, and you kind of you feel for the guy. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, and that's you do get quite a bit of that in this movie because again this is this is grouped in with those kind of digital backlot movies um all of which are shit i mean let's fucking be real Star right. Wars prequels um sky cap in the world tomorrow which tim and i fucking saw in the theater 
Yeah, we didn't know any better at the time. It was a much more innocent time. That like that is that is not a good movie. And it has the feel of a movie where the actors are standing in a big green room um trying to find something to work from. Well, yeah, it was born of the same notion that um you can refer to employees as resources, like some <laughs> fungible asset that is just some commodity in the same way that like acting is like oh it's playing pretend it's so uh, you, just we move can just the talent play... over there if we put the talent yeah. over there so if we put the talent in basically a void they should be able to act their way out of it right and I in mean, the case you know, of act... something like spy uh i almost said spy captain is this spy yeah. spy captain or star captain it it keeps getting messed up in my head spy it, versus spy yeah in the world it, it, it's Captain. Yeah, it's, Sky yeah. Captain, yeah. Sky Commander. That's the one. That's the one where they brought back Laurence Olivier through uh, digital trickery, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is uh... they, they use some B roll from Gladiator, I think. Which I I'm will say that, that that is <laughs> that is sadly yeah, kind of the I, future of cinema. Yeah, it, it is because um, you know um, I it took it took me a second because I'm slow for me to Tim was joking about how. Oliver Reed died partway through Gladiator yeah, and yeah. had to paste his face onto uh, right. a stand-in. Um, but yeah, that is essentially the feel that you get. Right. Well, I tell you what, uh, don't take our word for it. Here we have uh, the ghost of Peter Cushing to tell us what his opinion is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does, does Speed Racer count as a digital backlot film? Because it does have the feel of one, but I will contest that, that movie actually kicks ass. Well, I'll refrain from commenting because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, I kind of went off the Wachowskis after Matrix Reloaded. Maybe to my detriment, I don't know. I don't... Uh, that's, I, that's I won't for stand for everything they've made, but uh, Sense8 kicks ass. I hear Sense8 is good. I've, I've heard good things about it. I hear it's very bold, but also It's maybe like one of expensive. three good things Netflix has been responsible for. <laughs> Well, yeah, Netflix. That also is, being very kind. Yeah, Netflix is a repository of of dross, but yeah, it's it's shovelware. It's it's direct to video, whatever. And it's also Orson Welles' last film. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, that's right. Other side of the wind. Um, yeah, it's yeah, weird well, that that just sort of got forgotten. Like nobody talks about how Orson Welles' last film came out last year. Well, they're too busy being mad at Coppola and Scorsese for saying that Marvel movies aren't the best movies ever made. Oh my god, do you not like Hulk? What the hell? <laughs> like the... Like the... Uh, the, uh, Scarlet Witch, like, you know, she lost her boyfriend. H hello, what else do you need to say? <laughs> at know. Martin Scorsese, a still yeah. of a man holding a cell phone with a big Samsung logo on it and a big Skype logo on it of a baby <laughs> with a name on it. <laughs> a baby wearing a, a shirt that's basically just a Ben Garrison caption. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the stuggle continues. Um, well, I think that's everything that we have to say about the immortal. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, <laughs> maybe I am... Judging a little hastily because I'm basing it on movies from early on in this era of filmmaking. I mean, Sky Captain was like considered 
oh, it's like a revolution filmmaking. And that was the case also with, you know, Attack of the Clones. And... Yeah, it was a bold choice that didn't necessarily work out. And I mean, this happens. has been hailed as, quote, a groundbreaking step into the future of filmmaking, unquote. Citation, back of the immortal Blu-ray case. I mean, it is, it is better, like, it's not good, but a lot of the... You know, the production design in this movie, the scenery, for whatever reason, it goes down a little easier than, like, Ewan McGregor riding a giant iguana. Yeah, but, I mean, that's kind of a low bar. I think, if anything, the movie's problem is that it has an overabundance of ideas. Because, really, what I said initially about it being, like, like three movies is really the problem, I think, with this. And that it's just, it's incoherent. Well, initially, what you said to me via text was, this movie fucking sucks, by the way. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> and then... Uh, that's my thesis statement. I want to open with that. And then about a half hour later, I texted you in reply, wow, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, like, it is... They, they were, I don't know, maybe overly ambitious is a kind way of putting it. Well, I just kept thinking while I was watching this, like, maybe this is better in the comic. Maybe this is better in the comic. I'm, I'm sure it is, but I mean, uh, well, in the in. comic, you don't have characters made completely out of CGI. Yeah, um, which also is so weird to watch because there are scenes where you'll have entirely CG characters, and you think, okay, well, it's like it's a style, it's like an animated movie, and you know, maybe the clothes don't fall the way they should, but whatever, you know, that maybe they didn't have the rendering power that they do now. Okay, fine. But then you'll see a scene with one human actor, one real live person, you know, possibly Charlotte Rampling, and then everything else is is entirely CG. And you're like, okay, that's weird. And then you'll see other scenes where there is a couple of CG people and then a bunch of human extras. Yeah, and part of it is like it's distracting, but it's not commented upon. So it just kind of leaves the viewer confused, I feel. Because yeah, you're like, am I supposed to assume? They're just like, take as granted that this person is a real person, that there isn't something odd about them? Exactly, because there is periodically the movie will cut back to whatever um, triumvirate or whatever runs quote-unquote New York City. Yeah. And can I say this is the least New York City-feeling movie that's been set in New York City of all time. Considering that there's a um, that there's an edifice in the background that looks like the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I didn't think it was New York <laughs> yeah. either. Like literally nothing about this movie feels like it was set in New York, except yeah. about oh they say like oh uh, Central Park. Like there is no, and you can uh, you know I can hear pe somebody arguing things saying like well it's New York in, in 2095. And it's like okay so like all the color of New York, yeah, all the all the buildings, all the the Hasids and the Puerto Ricans and the fucking... And we don't live in 2095. Like, we're still trying to recognize New York. And if you say, it's New York, but it doesn't look anything like New York, I'm like, well, then it isn't really New York, is it? Yeah, and New York especially, you know, even for people who've never been there, you still kind of have a feel of it, even if it is slightly stereotypical, you know, from media. Right. You know, like you you ima you can imagine like a taxi driver esque New York or a thirty rock esque New York. Yeah, or a, a uh, the opening uh title uh role of the critic New York with the Statue yes. of Liberty that winks at you, the two pandas <laughs> in the zoo, the ice rink that Jay Sherman steps on and it cracks and all breaks. the way. 
<laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty much my go-to. It's that and cruising are like my yes. two touchstones for what New York or is perhaps, like. Or uh, perhaps, oh, I don't know, uh, New York that Kurt Russell wants to escape from. Could be. Yeah, could be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it, it's like, there is no, I'm like, sorry, this is, this is not New York. And, you know, maybe, maybe Anki Bilal has like never been there. I, I believe not. Yeah. And I kind of like, that triggers a sort of anxiety in me, like as a, as a frustrated creative, you know, when you're like, oh, when I finally write that novel or that, you know, that comic book or whatever. And you think like, am I going to have, am I going to maybe set my story somewhere and, will people read it and be like, wow, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Like, this feels nothing like this place I've lived all my life or whatever. Yeah, yeah, well, like this... to be fair about Enki Bilal's predictions, there is now a bizarre pyramid in New York City. It's just called Hudson Yards. Oh, that's right. The weird upside down... The funnel, yeah. Yeah, that weird-ass building. Oh, quite the futurist. I like how... Um... Well, I think that it's... If you're going to set something in New York, you should do enough research to do a passable you know, simulacrum of New York. And if I don't, don't think anyone it, dumped like a basket of trash out a window or was walking here. They were all flying. Exactly. Nobody yeah, was yeah. walking there. Like it really just felt like the fifth element. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I mean, if you're going to and- have a place be like just some random future city, why does it need to be New York? I know, I feel like I'm giving notes, but it's like, eh, does it have to be New York? Well, yeah, because it just feels like a generic European kind of futuristic city. Yeah. Um, well, to be I... fair, at least the fifth element had Bruce Willis, who at least could sound like he was an American in New York, whereas yeah. this has whoever it is that's playing Nikopol, who, I don't a know. A German actor. Like. Yeah. <laughs> He's because I, I was like that is like that's a weird um you know because I I just assumed everybody in it was French but it turns out that guy's German and he's been in a a ton of stuff not just playing Nazis wow wow very very diverse um I did find him kind of hot so that was something okay um it's well, unfortunate that's... that he had his body taken over by a rapist for most of the movie but <laughs> yeah I do like how the that's kind of casually brought up. Yeah, boy, we haven't even, haven't even gotten to that. But um, before we drop the the subject, you know, since we mentioned the Fifth Element, I have to say, and I don't know if I'm going to get hate mail for this, but I have never liked Luc Besson like at all. Like, okay, even even before the allegations came out, <laughs> you know, I've never liked his movies. I thought Fifth Element was really silly. I didn't understand the appeal, and I I think I, I, I agree I, with you that it's really silly, but that that is the appeal. Yeah, like, like if okay, you can like, sit there and watch Chris Tucker be Ruby Rod and be like, "That's pretty entertaining," then that's the only way you're gonna get through it. Yeah, which is fine. I'm just like, like so much stuff. I'm just like, okay, well, you know, it's not for me. Whatever, you know. Yeah. Because one of the other things that I texted Tim while watching this is like, wow, like I'm really starting to think I was too fucking hard on Luke Besson. Yeah, there <laughs> is. Uh, there are uh, Bessonian elements in it, I guess. And Perhaps yeah, like six element. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I I will go to bat for the fifth element in that. Yeah, it is. It's kooky and different, and I think that's enough to to merit its existence. Um, and people really love it, which yeah, kind of which often stops me from saying, oh, "I fucking hate that movie." Because right, you know, well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just gonna shit on people's good time, and yeah. you know, hey, maybe I'm wrong. It's okay not to like it, but I mean, it's nice that it's a future that isn't, you know, all uh, it isn't grim dark, it isn't, you know, too dystopian. 
like it's it's colorful and it's odd and there's like a culture there and there's you know there's well, yeah, a society and their things and, yeah and you can't say that it isn't visually inventive yeah and, it's you know. yeah it's it's goofy and different and i think that's enough to justify it yes. even if you don't like it i mean you can't say you it's not Bisson's a disgusting pervert right well you know <laughs> perhaps even a vile pervert hey <laughs> Thanks for the call. Easy there. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah. But uh yeah, but this one it's um I mean there are a lot of similar elements in that, you know, the like for some reason the French love their flying Buicks. Yeah. I, I don't know what that's like, about. Fucking it's it's like Stephen King and his love of like 20th century American cars. It's just like, okay, like I fucking get it. You want to drive like an old Cadillac or some shit. Yeah. And and there are other things like this, of course. Uh, lives in the, you know, very long shadow of Blade Runner. Like there are specific shots that are taken from from Blade Runner. It's like how do you do a you know scene like investigating like an abandoned, uh, you know, bathroom without people going oh Blade Runner? How do you do a guy hanging off the side of the building without people going oh Blade Runner? How uh, do you do suit a law? It's like you uh, yeah. don't even understand Le Cinema de France. That is clearly <laughs> a reference to Le Jetsons. Comedy classic Le Jetsons. <laughs> Philistine. Yeah, Flying like, police cars and on and on. Yeah, yeah like... Um, the Three Musketeers class. of French Comedy. Charlie Hebdo, Jerry Lewis et Le Jetsons. <laughs> Um, shit, forgot what I was going to fucking say. <laughs> well, I know what I'll say. I mean, despite the, you know, derivative nature of it is a very like like Italian porn, French sci-fi is always very stylish. That's true. Even if it comes up short in things like uh plot and story and audience engagement. And, and this is uh, clearly trying to emulate the style of Enki Bilal's comics with the uh wet concrete color pa- palette. <laughs> But... Yeah, and I sh- um I didn't I don't think that I finished uh, the point that I was even going to make about um the people who rule the city. Um, right. Yes. Because there's a big, uh, there's a big fat guy, um, very stock, who uh is the I, he they call him a senator, and his name is All Good, which is like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm it. tapping my nose right now. Is, is yeah. he the one that's secretly in bed with the evil genetic research company called Eugenics? Uh, maybe <laughs> I don't. It could be. I it, mean, is Eugenics has... like a play on words for the word eugenics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's literally painted on the side of Minecraft in this well, movie, where it's like it's you know what it's the eugenics corporation they run the t4 program where they kill the retarded <laughs> well eugenics, to be huh? completely what do do? fair i do watch aew dynamite every week and that has at least five ads a week for a supplement company called Nugenics. Nugenics, yes, which is also um, they also advertise on Pluto TV. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm like, I you, clearly like no one gave a second look to that name. Well, the, I was once playing. I was once forced to play Cards Against Humanity with oh. some friends. Mm-hmm. And... Former friends. They're the ones who they liked episode two. So <laughs> it, it's and, like uh, Mad Libs, but without effort. <laughs> yeah, like 
uh, Mad Libs is hilarious. Like, I'll play Mad Libs any day of the week. That shit's funny. Yeah, Cards as a Against kid, Humanity like, I'm is crying just... at hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> like, anyway. Cards Against Humanity is just try hard and stupid, but... As a kid, I cried a lot. Cards Against Humanity One... would be so much better if you just didn't use the answer cards. Like, everyone has to think up their own answer. Yeah, because that's, a whole other level, yeah. that's literally what I do with my friends all the time. It's like I don't need a fucking framework to make gross jokes. But <laughs> I was playing it with these friends. You have a podcast for that. And one of my cards had eugenics as an answer, uh-huh. which, of course, I played. You know, because eugenics is fucking funny, right? And, <laughs> well, for the people who are here to laugh about it. <laughs> and uh, one of the people I was playing with asked, oh, what is that? Like, step into these showers, I'll tell you. Oh, wow. <laughs> that? Yeah, um, suffice to say, I looked at my hand and was like, wow, well, like, I guess, you know, I'm, it, there's no point to me playing this Sean Hannity card. Yeah, because, I know. It's a little my baby. That's going know, in discard. Uh, STDs from Sean Hannity or whatever the fuck it said that was supposed right, to be right. funny. Um, that, they're not going to re- know who the fuck that is. No, yeah, it's a little that reminds me of the time that I learned like what World War II was. Uh, I was like six and I watched a lot of Disney Channel and there was some show that had a a superhero character called Silverstone. And so like, I, you know, I really liked that show and I I wanted to be like Silverstone. So I asked my mom, but for some reason I was afraid to say the word Silverstone. So I I asked, can I be SS? (laughs) And (laughs) I got a history lesson that day. Wow. Uh, anyway, my mom sewed me a really cute little SS uniform. The same yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> racially pure enough to be SS, but uh, <laughs> well, you could join the brown shirt. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So speaking like, of immortal. Um. Anyway, like this, this this movie is thuddingly obvious, is what I'm saying. But um, yeah. So the problem with this incredibly obvious movie, where you know they're um, there are all these scenes with uh, the people who run this future dystopia, one of whom is a sort of um, Trumpian figure without the lovable personality or delightful jokes. Right. And his <laughs> second less in charismatic command, Trump. Yeah, his second in command, who's this um, sinister Asian woman. With a lock of golden Oof. hair. That's the only thing I remember about her. Yeah. Whenever she spoke, my eyes just glazed over. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a reference to like old Milton Caniff comics or something. I don't fucking know. The, the important thing is that I don't care. Yeah, and then there's like a third guy who I think is, uh, uh, he's a policeman or something. I don't fucking, I don't fucking care either. But these are all weird, deformed CG people who I'm sure look exactly the way they did in the comic. Which would be, it would be a, I mean, okay, maybe not exactly. Maybe they're like bastardized renderings of some interesting art, but. Yeah, it's really missing the the detailed line work of Enki Bilal, which is, uh, you saw that jacket. It's a big part of the appeal. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, okay, so they, they tried, they tried to achieve something stylistically and they failed. But, you know, the other problem is that they look like, they literally look like they're from a different movie because there's no human element whatsoever interacting with them. They're kind of in their own, like, hermetic space. 
Yeah, it's like it's switching and between sometimes we'll watch a live action person, sometimes we'll watch a CG person, sometimes we'll see a live action and a CG person. But yeah, it's that same thing about like, am I supposed to think this is weird or am I just supposed to roll with this? Yeah, well, because at first I thought they were going for a, you know, how like you'll watch. Um... I mean, if it was a thing like as simple as like who framed Roger Rabbit, we have two kinds of sentient beings in this universe humans and tunes yeah and we're just gonna go with that like if it had been something that's that clearly delineated i could go with that because they do mention that there are humans and there are aliens and there are also gods which is a whole other problem but (laughs) um if you were to say like there are normal humans played by normal actors and there are you know metahumans or whatever you want to call them aliens that are cg i'd be like all right that's the way that is even if they're like human looking, but they're CG, I'd be like, okay, that's the conceit that we're going to make in this film. Yeah, I thought it was a, st- a stylistic choice where it's like, okay, well, they're going to have um, human actors playing these weird looking people who look like the drawings from the comics. But then Charlotte Rampling shows up and she has a stupid wig <laughs> that they made with stuff from Joanne's. Like, I guess they had a 60% <laughs> off coupon. Yeah. So they glued some shit to her head. Yeah, and then they Joanne's said Joanne's and Caro. Yeah. yeah, and they said yeah, and they said okay, you're a little sticky, but you know it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, it, it before looks... we go forward, I would like to dispute the assertion that the CG characters look like they're from a different movie. And I usually don't like this sort of assertion, but they look like they're from a video game. And the reason I'm fine with saying that is, do you know the video game company that this was a co-production with? I do not. This was co-produced. By Quantic Dream. Speaking of problematic French creators, David Cage's Quantic Dream. I'm not familiar with that production company. Creators of Omicron, The Nomad Soul, Fahrenheit, a.k.a. Indigo Prophecy, Beyond Two Souls, Heavy Rain, The Origami Killer, and Detroit, Become Human. Oh, okay. Is this one of those guys who... Okay, my parents wouldn't buy me a console when I was growing up, so I missed out on a lot of shit. Um... Is this one of those guys who, like, ran a company into the ground or something like Uh, that? They're still around today, but he certainly ran his own reputation into the ground. Uh, Beyond Two Souls is a game co-starring Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe. Okay. I mean, if you can think of a more classic duo. Oh, based on Antichrist. Right, yeah. Yeah, Charlotte Charlotte Gainsbourg couldn't do it, so. Right. (laughs) Schedule conflict. Yeah, I... It, it was a it was a antichrist hard candy crossover. <laughs> but you were saying <laughs> he he makes basically the sort of cinematic games that are basically like you walk around and then a scene plays and how much have you not heard of Detroit Become Human because it was controversial upon its release. I remember that about it. Yeah, I remember it's, Heavy Rain as well. It's a game about robots and also about race relations. Uh, you basically become the Martin Luther King of robots. Oh, I I, I vaguely remember this. I um... is there a character in Futurama like that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm 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 missing out on huge swathes of pop culture by not being into video games. Yeah, it's, well... it's like when people try to talk to me about wrestling. Yeah, well, sidebar, I had a disagreement with a friend the other day in that the only uh, true Spider-Man game is Spider-Man for the Atari 2600, but that's just my opinion. Um, you sort of cut out there. I didn't quite hear what what it is you were asserting. 
<laughs> he was, You're better off, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it would just make you say, God fucking damn it. You're just like, Jesus, 10-year-old. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it partnered with a game studio that is making mostly linear narrative, dare I say, not particularly interactive games. Ah, uh, well, they're interactive to a point. You can you can pee. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you can pee right on your console. Yeah, that'll well, solve the problem. Th- there are so many of his games that have like a dedicated peeing action. Like you, hmm. you can go into the bathroom and you can take a shower as your character. Oh, so it's like Tarantino and feet. Yeah, I was gonna ask. <laughs> yeah, if, if... <laughs> so, well, here's the question then: Can you pee in the shower? I, I, I guess I'll just have to can. play the game, yeah. I, well, I have to fuck? hit up IGN. What the fuck is even the point? Yeah, I mean, it's not realistic, then. <laughs> like, it seems like it would proceed naturally from there, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, you so... Can, you can have sex in the shower, even though you can't pee in it. Man, that is... I I would rather just pee in there. That's an, that's an angry letter from me, because, I mean, that's... <laughs> it's not encompassing the full human experience. Um, so... David Cage... David Cage, you are canceled for a second time. Yes, double canceled. You know, I bet more people pee in the shower than fucking it. Double secret <laughs> reverse canceled. Um, so I added uh, in my notes in here, I put 22 minutes, still no idea. Um, <laughs> that also goes for the podcast. Yeah. I, so I made it through a hundred, yeah, about a hundred minutes, no idea. Right, yeah. So so far, we've been introduced to a CGI Egyptian god who shows up in a pyramid hovering over New York City, and that's in heavy, sarcastic uh, quotes. Yeah, and um, that is not explained. The Egyptian gods are basically um, well. There's man- they're mannequins with pull tabs on their junk. Yeah, yeah. So there there are three of them. There's uh, there's Bast. There's uh, Anubis, who. Um, Horus, the third one, seems to have some really serious history with. Yeah. Because he doesn't even want to hear the guy's name. Oh, don't get me started. Um, uh, so there's a dog and a cat and a bird. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, it's like... It's The Incredible Journey, 2095. <laughs> 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 the Incredible Journey, a story 4,000 years in the making. <laughs> but um, I so- guess... Horus is not going to be immortal anymore because he did something and he's been sensed. He's been canceled. He's yes, can- yeah. Cancel culture pro- progressed even into the end of the century. Yes, exactly. yes. I've I, had with, some... with the rest of his actions, I will say whatever he did, he deserved to be canceled. Right. Well, yeah. actually, he did he's, not he's, seem to change. He's yeah, the Max I, Landis of Egyptian gods. I know some. <laughs> the. <laughs> They would they would take issue with my description, but some hotep mufos of mine would uh, assert that cancel culture originated in ancient Egypt. <laughs> I mean, God did cancel the the uh, the Egyptians ten times. He canceled their firstborn sons. He canceled yeah, he... their rivers with blood. Canceled the hell out of them. Has anybody ever made a hotep movie? Because that would rule. I think it's about oh, time. Oh, probably. Yeah, it's overdue. If if anybody listening uh, has made a Hotep movie, please write in <laughs> from our uh, what, yeah whatever our the reverse Hotep audience. <laughs> whatever the reverse of uh, Exodus Gods of Egypt is, the one yeah. with Gerard <laughs> Butler as an Egyptian god. 
I'm sure you could probably recut that into a Hotep movie. Probably. Right. I'm actually so, mixing together two movies there. I think I'm mixing together the Ridley Scott Exodus movie with Christian Bale as Moses with the uh, Gods of Egypt action movie with Gerard Butler. I thought that had Russell Crowe. No, Russell Crowe play played Noah. No, you're thinking Russell right. Brand. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. Shut up. All right. Okay, um, so... Oh uh, God! It's but yeah, Horace is canceled, and he needs to. He has seven days to go to down to the planet and knock up a woman, right? And and hey, by any means necessary, you know, I'll rape say. the fuck out of them, whatever it exactly. takes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like there's so there there is there's a lot of rape in this movie, right? Which yeah, like I don't. So, okay, so again, I, it's it's the future. We have, but I was going to and... say, I was going to say about Horace that this this could potentially have been a, the setup for that storyline. Maybe that's why he was canceled because he's a rapist. We made that joke earlier when we called him the Max Landis of Egyptian gods. Oh, I thought it's just because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, like Horace looked like your dad was cool. He made some really good. He contributed a lot to Egyptian culture, but. You know, you're kind of throwing um, your weight around and ruining everyone. Horace was canceled for making the American Ultra of the Egyptian God world. <laughs> yeah, Egyptian Ultra. Well, um, that original Egyptian God, he had union with his hand, and then a helicopter came down and crushed two Vietnamese children and a character actor. <laughs> Which reminds me of the time I said to you, Tim, I was asked, I asked you, what was the name of that Egyptian God who, like, jerked off and formed the universe? And you said... Omicron, um, but yeah, Horace's storyline could it could so easily have been the setup for a romantic comedy. Yeah, I well, and I think we do need uh, more rape and romantic comedies. Really. Yeah, you know, not to say that there this wasn't an incredibly romantic movie. Yeah, okay. the way that uh, the way that a guy was made a proxy for a rapist, basically. Right. Yeah, which is kind of like a, a rapeception. And because the female lead is basically only three months old, technically, she's okay with it. Right. Well, this you know, Valentine's I... Day. Ryan Gosling is a down-on-his-luck career criminal. Renee Zellweger is a busy career woman. And Russell Crowe is the Egyptian god Horus. And Russell Crowe is the rapist. <laughs> like, I know, like, this is the worst Mad Lib that we've ever come up with, really. Um, this Christmas, see, the rapist. <laughs> the, um... Oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah, and also like not only is she three months old, that you know is like that uh, weeaboo thing about like you know she looks like she's eight, but she's really four hundred years old. So. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because that occurred to me as well. Where it's like it's like, hey, bro, like it's it, you know technically, technically it's not statutory rape, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I hey. mean, she's she looks like a fucking adult, bro. Like, did you see those titties, bro? Yeah. Hey, you know, if there's grass on the field, man, play ball. Those are, you know, if there's blue tears on the face, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. yeah, I think we're, get, we're getting ahead of ourselves, though. I mean, like, I feel like my brain is tearing itself apart, trying to just, like, summarize the, like, the elements in play in this movie. Yeah. We have, yeah. This we have is reminding gods. me of a comic that we recently covered on Mature Listeners, uh, Rick Veitch's Army at Love. Because just saying a sentence to describe any amount of action in this movie requires getting through like a dense web of bizarre concepts. 
Like, yeah. there is a uh, bisexual poly yeti triad in Army at Love. And like, Which I'm sure is very important. I can grok that. I'm pretty sure I was friends with, with those people in college. Um, it does there... lead to the amazing line, uh, you can understand her language? I would think I can. We've been married for 500 years. <laughs> you know, honestly, that's better than three months. Oh, is that like the film adaptation of the Lockhorns? Wah, wah. <laughs> I can't believe I said grok. I want to punch myself in the face. We've said a lot of stupider <laughs> things on this podcast. Um, so we, but, you know, so... I don't even understand, you know, because I'm, I'm sorry, Tim, because you keep trying to figure out the story. Right. Because you're trying to, um, you're trying to name these disparate threads which sort of slam together yeah. well, I'm to trying form to get the to narrative. The end of the podcast. Um, uh, but I don't even understand where the female lead comes from. She just, she's just there. She's, ugh. like she okay. Maybe so she comes cell- from the ocean. Well, she does cells- seem like a fish. Yeah, yeah. Well, the cells bit in of her a cold body- fish in bed, right? Uh, I mean, you know that'll happen when you're being raped. By when you're being raped guy. by a possessed, yeah, uh, criminal. Yeah, um, with an iron leg. <laughs> um, I did like the leg. That's a pretty good gimmick. The leg is yeah that 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 is like a neat idea, yes. put to very bad use. Yes, that, I'll agree with the second part. Because yeah, it's it's clever, you know, because it's like it's a I mean it's like a literal boat anchor for the guy, like you know, and Horace has to you know when Horace isn't controlling the guy, like he can't walk because he has this fucking like metal leg. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know like shackles. Yeah, but but the movie fucking sucks. Yeah. Anyway, so so Horace needs to rape someone within a week. Um, there's... <laughs> no, he needs to make love to someone. Yeah. Hey, however you want to say it, uh, whatever <laughs> lets you sleep at night. Um, there and is... it specifically needs to be her because she has the superpower to copulate with gods. That's right. We forgot. Yeah, because she can procreate with a god, which is That's just the a power thing. she didn't even know she had from the back of the box. Yeah, because like, and she doesn't know anything about herself, despite like all the massive backstory that she has. Like she's sort of three months old, also because she has no memory beyond that. Which is they don't do anything with that. I I don't. God, I, I need to lay but down. This isn't the fifth element. Yeah. Yeah. That is a. <laughs> yeah. a, a it, it's so, like a, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you how do you write such a uh, multi-dimensional female characters? Well, I make sure that they do not have any history or backstory. Like, I, right. I also make sure that they are very very young. Right? Yeah, it's. I, it, I guess that's just something that's taught in the French version of an M- MFA class. Yeah, well, it completely sidesteps the issue. It's like I don't want to get accused of writing bad female characters, so I will not write this as a character. <laughs> I don't I don't fucking get it because okay she's not fully human I understand that this is about her journey to being human um her the cells in her body are three months old um she's like the she's like the devil fish actually if you guys have seen that mystery science theater yeah yeah okay or so what you're saying is that me. she's Detroit becoming human yeah, yeah. hey <laughs> <laughs> I'll it all take comes your back around it. um and, and yeah so and, the cells in her body are only three months old she can read minds um, she has some kind of like um, mind blast thing. Yeah, she's like some kind of psi ability where she can like shoot air at people. She's an airbender. I don't fucking know. Um, she cries blue tears, which are permanently staining the human skin. She's part know, squid. That's I think. Yeah. I, again, the all these elements. Pick and folk artist. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I don't, she gets picked up by the cops at the beginning of the movie. She is less a character and more a collection of traits. Yeah, I don't, and she also has a friend that she cares about a lot who is who lives in her bathroom tile no 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 the guy all in black john i do yeah who is that where that is never explained where did they come from yeah yeah i just know that how much of your own fucking comic book did you leave out of this movie look the important thing is that john lives in another dimension and he can drive a car those are the only two things I know about John. I don't even know that his name is John. Thanks he for filling that in, Jen. He doesn't have a fucking face. No. He his he's entirely like he he looks like a guy made out of Vanta Black. Yeah. Uh, it's... Copyright trademark. Right, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're you may to... ask yourself, where did these characters come from? And you may ask yourself, why is that character naked? <laughs> It's... And you may ask yourself, what is that flying automobile? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we so we can't tell you anything about the female lead. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, well, elucidate. We're, we're doing as well as the film is in that we don't know anything about her beyond and what her traits are. The, and then there's a there's a guy who is in hypersleep for he was sentenced for 30 years and then something breaks and he gets out a year early and really like something cuz i'm the, i don't i wasn't paying close enough attention like just same yeah <laughs> i was very tuned out at that point yeah something something broke he's in a big ship with like sleeping pods or whatever yeah and like four of them fell and landed on a bridge three of them died one got away and then they found a thing that it wasn't clear what that thing was <laughs> And then two or three scenes later, we find out it's a leg, and that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, because I guess when his pod, the main guy, when his pod fell off the thing, he broke and his leg fell off. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's like they put him in. It's like they put Nick in liquid nitrogen and then they dropped him. Yeah, I assume he was very cold. Oh, a leg! Do you he th- wanted a leg? <laughs> Do you think this ever happens at Alcor? I'm sure that it happens. Like somebody accidentally bumps into one of the doers, and like they end up snapping uh, oh, yeah. someone in half, and Ted Williams' head goes rolling off into a corner. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that the uh, like uh, unaccredited uh, cryogenics lab has has got a great safety record. By the way, if anyone listening uh, recognizes my Alcor reference, congratulations! You get a special prize, which is. Uh, one uh, year of cryogenic uh, preservation. <laughs> and after that, you're on your own. With this coupon, it's only $125,000 yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah, this um, 10% off. Enter the but, promo code, have you seen it? Check out the three months of free cryogenics. With promo code COME25, uh, you can get... Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like if anybody wants to talk about Alcor or the history of Alcor or Mike Darwin, seriously, hit me up in the DMs. Hit me up. Oh, we're we're gonna. You guys fucking part. hate yeah. going to the freezing office. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so our main character broke, like his leg falls off, and then, um, but it turns out because he's not, he doesn't have all these fucking genetic modifications that everyone else who lives in, quote unquote, New York City does, yeah. because he got put on ice thirty years ago. 
that lets Horus possess him because he needs a body to fuck. I get like, and again, it's just like, yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's better in the comic. Well, <laughs> then don't make a movie out of it. Like, don't make a bad movie of your good comic if the can comics I, are great. Can I also say how fucking wild it is that they let a comic book guy make a movie out of his own work? Like, they didn't even let it... Frank Miller do that. Yeah, when does that ever fucking happen? And I know that he, like, he has directed, he had directed a couple of other movies. I don't know anything about him. Like, I don't really give a shit. But it's, that is wild to me. Because usually it seems that... I mean, hell, they should have made, let Alan Moore make League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like, how much bad could he have been? Oh, no, dude. Damon Lindelof's going to do it. It's going to be sick. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, uh, so Nikopal, when being revived in the subway, instantly recognizes uh, the bird-headed god Horus because it's New York in 2092. And if there's one thing I can say about New Yorkers in the end of the 21st century, they're big on Egyptian mythology. <laughs> yeah, it, it, all right. Just one of the other things that at this point you're just like, Sure, why not? Well, nobody seems to fucking care that this pyramid is hovering over the city. It doesn't amount to anything. It drives me nuts. Like, it's so... The senator disappears into it briefly and then comes out and dies? Yeah. Not that it matters. What a great antagonist. I... You know, a guy who kind of sits around, like, making empty threats for most of the movie, who then just abruptly dies with no interaction with the main characters. Yeah, well, well he does release the the blood shark to go chase Nicobol. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there are these they're also like weird hammerhead dudes called Diax that I guess hunt people. Hey, hey, but here's the plot when twist. The Not an actual Diax. It is a synthetic Diax. They set set aside an entire scene to establish that distinction. Oh fuck, that changes everything. Yeah, why? <laughs> I didn't Maybe yeah. these are really important in the comic, I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, they're like, oh, like those are extinct. Like they haven't existed in the Yeah, it's not real. Uh, at this point it's like, oh, like that makes a goddamn difference. Can I just say that when they first show the when they show the first hammerhead guy, yeah. when he shows up on the screen for the first time, which is a very um portentous moment you know, probably with the music sting and everything, I just start cracking up because I was like, what the fuck is this shit? What is this? What is this? What is I, this? This shark-looking motherfucker? What the fuck? I did, towards the end, though, I it won me over. I'm like, a fucking shark covered in blood. That is metal. Yeah. So, it's not covered in. It's made of because it can, like, melt through a bathtub. Yeah, it comes up a drain. Yeah. It's also got tentacles with pinchers and shit. Yeah, at that point, I'm just like, we need a movie about this guy. Which... Like, we need a Mandalorian about Blood Shark. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should read the comics. I'll have to learn French to read them because... Oh, uh, no. I mean, have you seen this movie? This comic must be awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the movie just is drowning in its own mythology at this point we have like three completely distinct story arcs that just do not come together and i think like the worst of it is that we have nikopal possessed with his um wrought iron leg uh by an ancient egyptian god alien who showed up in his pyramid ship who um is on the 
a collision course with the uh, no memory alien genetic whatever psychic eugenic chick at this point Lilu Dallas River Tam multipass right I don't know and, and at, yeah and at this point <laughs> I feel like so much energy had been spent on world building and backstory that and sexual assault and sexual assault <laughs> that to actually get them together is they meet at a bar that's it like there's, it is Horace saying, "Go to this bar," and then she walks in, and he picks her up. Oh like, yeah, because there's a cantina scene. That's that's <laughs> that's all the effort that goes into, like, if you're if you have godlike power, and you possessed a notorious serial killer or something, and you have all this, all these resources at your fingertips, you're like, well, let's go to a dive bar and wait for this chick to show up. Well, I mean, she's blue, dude. Like, yeah, she's not gonna be hard to find. Right. Yeah. But um, did uh, yeah, because that's the other plot thread is that oh, there's a serial killer terrorizing the city. Was the serial killer actually Horace, like attempting to possess people and killing them because they weren't compatible? Fuck, maybe I don't know. We didn't see any of it, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, because it's like they, they the, one of the police guys mentions it at the end of the movie. And he's like, oh, yeah, like with the serial killer running around. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, okay. At, at this point, it's just like, it's, it's just throw it on the pile of shit I'm not paying attention to. Maybe it was the Grim Sleeper and like for years they just didn't care. Could be, could be, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that I like too is that um, after uh, Horace uh, kind of rehabilitated Nika Powell and gave him a new metal leg and he's in like his criminal clothes and he steals the clothes of a of a drunk homeless guy. A hobo who just came out of a disco, I guess, cuz yeah, he's got yeah. like a wild he's, texture. He's dressed like the cat from Red Dwarf. Like, he's very stylish. <laughs> <Cats>. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so Nikopal not wanting to be possessed by a uh bit of a rapey god is like, "Hey, give me some autonomy back." And he uses that autonomy to I guess like rob a jc pennies because there's there's a god who has i guess six days now to mate or he dies and he is going to risk getting shot in the back for stealing like a, a sport coat from just a shop and and i'm like i did if i just putting myself in his shoes if i was a god Maybe not a supreme being, but if I was a god, I probably wouldn't spend my time with like petty theft. I, if I were an Egyptian god, yeah, just that. I mean, I guess he's he's impervious to bullets because it didn't seem to to harm him at all. But it's like that he put himself in that risky situation. That it's like, yeah, I could have been nicked for for petty theft, like. Like, do you think that there's like a mall security that's like, Horace, you need to wait here while the police come and then we'll write you a misdemeanor and we put you in juvie? I, I, well, and I think like one of the things that I managed to extract with great effort from the movie and our discussion of it is that gods are apparently a day-to-day -day occurrence in the world of this movie, which, you know, may explain why Nicopole knows who Horace is and, you know, but yeah. Like, do the police like routinely deal with gods? Like I... how? 
Like, how do how do the gods interact with this world apart from, you know, raping genetic experiments? I, uh, I maybe they're uh, the ones that put up all those inane, like neon, transparent street like all signs. those tweets. Yeah. Oh, that fucking Banksy shit. Yeah, or it's like so we live in a dystopia where like people can just like live tweet into the open air. It just like oh that, the hell world. It sucks that resistance Twitter like lasted into the last half of the the twenty first century. Cause it's just like, <laughs> oh, um hashtag resist. It's like there I there, I'm done. Yeah. I resisted today. <laughs> I have affected change in the world. Meanwhile You and me, me, Hong Kong, we're right here. Meanwhile, New York continues to be like a grotesque dystopia beset by gods and serial killers. Right. But at least you did a good tweet. That that said, I think we might have met like maybe 10 people in New York. Can I also say, I don't, and I don't know if possibly it was the limitations of the digital backlot, but like the action scenes, quote unquote, in this movie suck balls. Right. Well, to like my him point, running away. Like I didn't even get what he was doing. Like you know when he was stealing clothes. Like that scene looked like shit. I didn't know what was happening. Well, here's the the like, you know to my point about car chases. Yeah, about like them being like you know the cast of dozens. <laughs> like I mean we've seen in the regrettable second Matrix movie. Like you could put hundreds, thousands of the same character on screen at once. Why can we not have a New York that is teeming with other people and just... It... Ooh, mm, you know, our, our hard drive for this is only like 250 gigs, so... Oh, okay, well, maybe not then. <laughs> but yeah, it, it seems to be a really um, a vacant metropolis, but... It does not feel like New York. Right. Like even, I'm sorry, but even a futuristic New York should have a fucking New York feel to it. Yeah, or just like. Oh, by the end. way, no. Speaking go ahead, of go characters, ahead. I would just like to say I don't think we've really gotten across what these characters look like. Have you seen the video for Eiffel 65's Blue? Oh hell yeah! That's what every CG character in this kind of looks like. Well, to be fair, it was uh, France at roughly the same time. Because isn't Eiffel 65 like a French group? Yeah, they, I believe they're Italian. Oh well, never mind. Uh, do you, whatever, it's all Europe. I don't give yeah, a shit. They're, yeah, they're it's all, all continental Europe. It's all the fucking same with their fucking, you know, eating cheese on their snails or whatever the fuck they do. <laughs> a Europe hop is a rather incestuous scene. So, like, Brian if you're a hit Lopez, somewhere yeah. in Europe, you're basically a hit everywhere in Europe. You know that uh, that Eiffel sixty five album slaps. By the way, I mean they're the only band with a song <laughs> about the PlayStation. Yes. <laughs> Corner the market. PlayStation, and they're saying Tekken Three, Metal Gear Solid, and you're like, this is the Resident Evil, Marina Toast, and Dan, Intelligent (laughs) Cube, Persona Two, Final Fantasy Seven, Final Fantasy Eight, Fantasy (laughs) Nine, Wild Arms. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard the song, but I assume it ends with PlayStation. No, they go P L A Y S T A T I O N. It's like, a missed opportunity. Yeah? How like, else would you end that song? If you're a real PlayStation fan, you would know. They but... couldn't get the uh, the license. Uh, I, and you're like, this is the worst song I've ever heard, and I can't stop listening to it. The right. whole album is like that. So these corporate political conspirators are they're shitting their pants that Nikopal's out. Although apparently Nikopal is going to get out like a year 
in a year anyway. Yeah, he get he accidentally gets out a year early. So I, I have to say that that uh, digression made me wish I was doing the opposite of watching this movie and playing PlayStation in the Vanga bus. <laughs> that, would be, that would be just European heaven. You could you could be playing Heavy Rain. That was so tight. <laughs> you could be peeing in the shower in Heavy Rain. Let's go to a phone. What if we? Later. What if we? What if we played Tekken in the Venga bus and we were both girls? <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, Tim. What were you trying to make sense of? I'm. I. I <laughs> Uh, let's see. Let, let me look at my notes. Uh, now some bullshit with Central Park. Uh, who wants to who wants to leave with that? Um, well, like shit's coming out of Central Park, which is frozen. I don't I know whence this the. Well, P, uh, New Yorkers are being told to stay away from Central Park because there's an all caps intrusion. I don't know. Just fuck. <laughs> I. What? Ah. Did the female lady and her boyfriend come out of Central Park? I don't know. Or no, they're trying to go back into it? I don't know. Because when she goes back into it, she's going to be human. I don't know. Look, yeah, I, I don't, don't know I either. Don't, I, I, I don't just know. snowballing here. God. I, uh. I don't think I mean snowballing. I mean spitballing. Isn't right, snowballing right. when you like spit cum into someone's ass or yeah, something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll do that later. <laughs> later. Yeah. I, I think it's the mouth. I think it's the mouth. I think the, yeah. the ass is a different act. Yeah, it's where. Uh, no, excuse you. It is definitely the ass. Let, let I, I me, don't, yeah. I don't know Listeners, if you know, yeah, which one we're talking about, right? Send us in. the link to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, and then I have a, a note later. Oh, right, that whole thing with Central Park we had completely forgotten about. Yeah, so anyway, so New Yorkers are trying to felt Central Park. Felt, yes, that's <laughs> and it. Okay. Aliens are coming out of it. And then a guy with the head of a bird rapes a blue chick. Yeah, so and that's a good thing. Yeah, at the end of the movie, and felching are not the same. Yeah. It's... Oh. Yeah. Okay. So the the rape <laughs> the rape thing. So uh, she gets she gets picked up. The blue blue chick whose name I didn't bother to learn. Jill. Jill. Whatever. Um, she gets picked up by eugenics, which again, I don't know if they're the good guys or the bad guys. Um, but, uh, uh she... yes, a baseball player tells her, try this adult supplement called eugenics. Right. So she gets, your man will love it. <laughs> yeah. She gets picked. Look, it has been clinically tested to make people feel better. Allegedly. Does um, that mean it makes your dick bigger? Yes. Uh, um, no, uh, I, I love how they couch their actual like clinical trials because it's like clinically tested, not clinically proven <laughs> to like make men feel. It's like it's been tested to see if something makes you feel away. Oh, we we, we didn't get Edelstone, take it from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Two weeks of this, and you're going to be feeling like a high school senior. <laughs> oh, you're going to break out and <laughs> just yeah. feel like angry, and you don't know why. Your voice is going to sound like shit. You're going to want to jump off a building. You're, you're just not fucking right now. Fighting with your parents all the time. Uh, so side effects uh, include r slash brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, as long as it's not R slash movies, dude. Oh yeah, no, no brain cells there to be sure. Um, anyway, so so Central Park has turned into R slash shower thoughts. Oh, and you get from orbit. Nothing good can come out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it only and exists. They're warning people to, to stay away because it's too stupid. Yeah, it's it's only there to gradually release cancer into the world. Um, 
But you were going to make a point about the movie's treatment of sexual assault. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. Because, I mean, you've completely uh, uh, leapt over the the money shot of the movie, which is the rape. Um, but <laughs> after the rape, after after Nikopal's raped Jill, but, I mean, Nikopal hasn't raped her. He himself has been you know, violated by Horace because Horace is doing the raping of Jill through Nikopal because, you know, Horace gonna Horace. Um, yeah, he basically straps on Nikopal and... Yeah, yeah, so Nikopal, yeah, Nikopal is essentially a strap-on in this. But then Jill gets abducted by uh, the eugenics people. She gets picked up because she's not human, I guess, that matters. But anyway, so she's picked up by the eugenics people, but... Um, Horace, in his bird form, comes down and saves her. And I think, you know, my soul just sung to see the scene <laughs> of Jill being rescued by her former rapist. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm watching that, and I'm like, well, how am I supposed to feel about this? Yeah, that was is, weird. It's just Horace being like, I'm not done with that ass. <laughs> it's, again, it's like, who's the hero here? Yeah, like, you're like, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like I need to continue to rape you through this proxy. Yeah, and he has to do it like three times, apparently. And I, it, uh, it's it's like if they made hole. the entire movie out of that one scene in Blade Runner where uh, Decker oh, no, uh, yeah. kisses. I, yeah. I love Blade Runner, but I hate that scene. Well, here, even I, again, I will go to bat for that scene because there is more character development in that Blade Runner scene than in this one. Spicy take incoming. No, I think I, I believe your I believe your your interpretation of the scene is correct. There but. is a hundred percent more sex in this scene than in Blade Runner, but there's a hundred percent more character work, character development in Blade Runner than there is in I've already forgotten the name of this movie, Immortal. Because it is just Immortal the, Ad Vitum. Yeah, Immortal Ad Ad nauseum. Um but Well uh, explain explain for the listener your interpretation of that contentious scene in Blade Runner. Alright, before you block me on Twitter. Um <laughs> the uh, Before you block the guy who has never tweeted. No, no, no I once. love it. I I did, yeah. Check out check out my voluminous Twitter account at Tim Toon. Um but Here anyway, lies Tim, he never tweeted. Yes. <laughs> so this yeah, this the uh, the the paucity of of writing in this movie is that in the same way that Nikopal and Jill just meet at a bar and then they go back to his hotel room and have sex like that is just like the the uh, the most like cursory trite like hookup culture meet cute thing where it's like why would we give a single shit about the future of either of these characters they're just two people who met at a bar and fucked. Like, well, full and, stop. That's all there is to it. And especially because she resists Nikopal initially. Which I guess. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because Horace is controlling Nikopal, he's able to control her and walk her out of there and take her back to the hotel where Horace is able to do his thing. Well, I, which I, is, I, yeah. you know, like, you know, sometimes you just... It's, Weep it's, it's here because the romance is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 too confusing to even be problematic. Um, now, so, kids, when yeah. we met, your Aunt Robin wasn't completely sure that she was a human being. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I show 
showed her. Yeah. I showed her that pussy was human. So we talked to my friend saying. Barney, who was the Egyptian god of yeah. falcons. <laughs> I, of course, was possessed by an Egyptian god. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. And earlier, like, yeah, they uh, her doctor mentions how all her organs are in the wrong places, but that pussy wasn't in the wrong place. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, um, oh, my God. That was so funny. That, that would be so funny if, like, um, it just was, like, under the skin. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, tries, shit. She yeah, tries sorry. to fuck, and, you know, it's just like, um, d- uh, there seems to be a problem here. Yeah, sorry. I just have a carapace. Oh, right. Yeah, that movie rules. Yeah. Oh, that movie is so good. Watch that instead of this. Right. Oh, and one yeah, of the things... Yeah. As, as, as a sidebar... Watch um, Under the Skin while listening to uh, every <laughs> Eiffel 65 album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is like one, I think, or maybe two. I don't know. They put out oh, one album that was the greatest hits. They have had a long career post-Blue in Europe. Honestly, good for them. Uh, one of the things... Uh, and again, I know I should be posting this on my favorite subreddit, Movie Details... But um, the uh, one of the things that I really like about the sound design in um, Under the Skin is that, um, and I don't know if they're using contact microphones for it, but there are scenes of just, you know, Scarlett Johansson by herself where the audio is like really, um, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it sounds like it's from a contact microphone. It has that kind of like uh, brightness, kind of that kind of immediate quality, not like you're hearing something, but you're feeling it. And the thing that I realize about that is because she is like she's walking around in a suit, like your skin suit, and you realize you're hearing things the way she would hear them, not as a normal person hears things, but the way you'd hear something like, you know, through a helmet or like through um, headphones or, you know, like a cap or something. So the the sound quality is slightly different in uh, a way that makes sense for the character. Oh, that is a great jumping off point. Okay. Because let me describe off this movie. one of uh, what I find to be one of the most hilarious tropes in movies is when you get a POV shot where someone's vision is severely impaired uh-huh. and it's not intended to be severely impaired. Like it just is. It's like in, in very bad movies that are knockoffs of Terminator when they'll show the POV of the cyborg mm-hmm. and you're like black and red. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that looks like shit. Yeah. It looks like it's like, you know, it looks like he's looking through a virtual boy Yeah, and it's like, you know, he's like a super advanced robot, but like he can only see like, it's like, oh God, yeah, someone, like someone turn on a light. I cannot, Hey, is this, is this green or red? It just yeah. looks like kind of a, brownish color yeah and they they keep doing that in this movie where they will they will cut to jill's pov and i'm like this woman is legally blind yeah and apparently it doesn't matter yeah it looks that's what it fucking looks like and i'm like what is the point of this fucking like how did like like she would be bumping into things yeah you know it's like she's she's got contact lenses made out of seaweed (laughs) (laughs) ah it's a mystery solved she is from the ocean yeah, or like binoculars like, made out of like uh, paper roll tubes, like yeah. when you're a kid. <laughs> These my binoculars. Yeah, and I I I love that in in bad movies where you you cut to a POV of where someone is essentially legally blind. But anyway, and right. you know she's walking like beams like hundreds of feet in the air. Yeah, you know, I, the like, future is going to suck for acrophobics, I tell you. The future is not OSHA compliant, let me tell you. No, that's, that's <laughs> for sure. 
so, I mean, uh, enough of this heavy talk. Let's talk about something light. Let's talk about the rapes. <laughs> My favorite subject. Right. Oh, yeah, because, uh, Jen, did you want me to hold forth on uh, my explanation of the uh, scene from Blade Runner? Yeah. All right. Okay. So um, if you recall earlier in uh, Blade Runner when Deckard's, you know, psychoanalyzing Rachel and he's talking about her as a childhood, you know, um, her and uh, they, that boy snuck off and, you know, he showed her his, but um, she got chicken and she chickened out and ran. And you'll notice that Rachel does that a lot and that, you know, things get a little difficult and she runs off. So she goes to visit Deckard at his apartment and things get a little heavy. And what does Rachel do? She does what she's programmed to, which is to chicken out and run. Deckard holds the door closed and he forces her through that uncomfortable programming to essentially break it. To say you are not going to be the the summation of your behavior so far. You're going to, to get out of your comfort zone. And you're going to do the thing that you always ran from. And it is changing, uh, it, it is changing Rachel from, a, um, from just essentially an automaton into more of a, an, uh, a, a person. Yeah, more of a person. Someone who has their own autonomy, who has, who is able to make decisions for themselves, who is able to get past that, that, that thing that had blocked them their entire existence. Who is then able to ask Deckard, put your hands on me. Yeah, because it, it does start from, you know, he's directing her where he's saying, okay, because she is, she's, you know, what, three years old essentially uh-oh uh-oh problematic <laughs> uh, so yeah and she doesn't have you know any experiences and she doesn't have any way to make her own sense of the world like any other replicant because she they're has like implanted memories yeah she has implanted memories that are basically okay this is how i should act and react not having actually had any genuine experiences but being programmed with a set behavior that she follows yeah um so yeah same story there um and, and so in Deckard, closing, Judge, that is why you should find me innocent. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like essentially, I, and I believe that Tim has a sound reading of the scene, which is that Deckard is breaking Rachel's programming. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I mean, I, I don't mean to belabor the point, but yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah, and you know, I like I, I dislike the scene because of the, the, the way it plays out, but I believe that you have uh, correctly divined the intent of it. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, so, so anyway, but, but what I want to say is that if any man tries to break my programming, I'll break his face. Yeah. Well, that's uh, beauty and the beast. You're both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Want to so, touch my snake? It's real. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you'd be working in a place like this if you could afford a real snake. <laughs> I don't think you'd be having a podcast if you could afford a real snake. Right, yeah, yeah. So uh, essentially the scene is Deckard breaking Rachel's programming and it is an uncomfortable experience as I'm sure it is for Rachel the character as it is for people in the audience. But it is to justify the character's growth. Yeah, and it, it was also uncomfortable for Sean Young who got um, scraped by Harrison Ford's scratchy face. 
like you would object. <laughs> well. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah, you'll notice it too that, I mean, when we're introduced to Rachel, she is very um, buttoned down. She's uh, very slick back. She's very robotic. She's she's essentially a doll. Yeah. She is a sophisticated doll that, you know, Tyrell has to do his bidding. But then you see by the end of it, you know, like when she's in, in Ben and Deckard's apartment, like her hair is all she lets her must. Yeah, yeah. She, she looks more like a woman because, I mean, it's uh, maybe an uncomfortable way of saying it, but, you know, Deckard has kind of made a woman out of her, <laughs> which is, it's a crass way of putting well, it. But with I mean, rape. No. Yes, <laughs> through, through robot rape. Uh, contrast that with this scene where the characters are pretty much the same before and after. Well, and there's no... They fucked. That's it. We don't understand the characters very well. We don't understand their backstories. We don't understand their motivations. Um, the You can't even say much about the acting in this film because, again, you've got that digital backlot thing of actors struggling to hang something on a very small peg, basically. Yeah. Um, and our leads do okay uh they're trying bless them um whoever plays horace that voice is very very silly i just expect him to say something like that you would hear i just keep expecting him to say something like you'd hear from the the can of vegetables from wet hot american summer <laughs> like if he if horace had just said i can suck my own dick and i do it a lot <laughs> um if you were Horace, you probably would um, and could. Shit, you know, if I were an Egyptian god, I'd I might have union with my own hand and create the whole fucking universe. I could um, never reach. But I was gonna say something about the the other. Oh, the the scenes of the governing officials of the city. Those scenes are fucking terrible. Just fucking. I don't. Oh. And I don't know if they were wearing. Um, you know, motion capture suits. They lead nowhere. I, like, I hope not, because it looks like shit. The voice acting is shit. Those scenes are shit. Uh, they there's... they look and act like Quantic Dream characters. There, there you go. Well, now I, now I have a little bit of a picture of what a Quantic Dream game might actually look like, and I'm horrified. Quantic Nightmare, <laughs> am I right? I, I would uh, recommend watching like a let's play of Indigo Prophecy because it is it's funny to watch. You know, I'm actually gonna look some of this stuff up because uh, you intrigue me, and you know, I I, I do love drama. Um, okay, so at the end, would it surprise we? you to learn? Would it surprise you to learn that Indigo Prophecy has a a big narrative twist that relies on the idea of indigo children? <laughs> oh my god what is that fucking 1980s sedona arizona your hippie <laughs> mom who just tried to be your best friend ass shit what is that is is there a game where you can like where one of the plot points is whether or not you decide to vaccinate your kids <laughs> i want to see that in a video game <laughs> um the flat earth video game yeah. um uh, where were we? Someone, uh, someone so got they're, raped. they're in Central Park <laughs> at the end. Uh, they're, and it's all, I don't know, it's snow or ash, whatever. Um, the, the, and then Rorschach is like, just do it! Yeah. And then Dr. Manhattan <laughs> kills him. The hammerhead blood shark shows up. I feel like I'm describing like a kid's cartoon. <laughs> so, so Shark Dog shows up. 
and then and then Hor and Horace shoots his laser eyes at the blood shark, and the blood shark dies. And didn't we laugh when Nicopole said it never hurts to help? <laughs> Kumbaya, Jill. Let's go well, move to uh, Paris and go on the Eiffel Tower. You know, it was really fucked up when Eek raped Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. That's how it started, yeah. Oh man. Oh, oh. my whole body hurts. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, like but you know, and I you pointed this out um when you were talking about Horace saving Jill from the eugenic ship, where you're like, wait a minute, is should yeah. I feel like this is a positive outcome? Because Jill is left with her... Back to your rape rack. Yeah, Jill is left with her rape baby, and then she meets Nicopole again uh, at the Eiffel And there's Tower. a magic blue bird that murders a dove and then looks in the camera. <laughs> like, you're and, next. Oh, Horace, you scamp. So... And there, I guess this triumvirate is just going to live together in the sitcom from hell in the waning years of the 21st <laughs> century, because that's how it plays out. And again... What is it, uh, and I, you know, I don't want to get to, you know, donut Twitter, listen up, people, you know, here, but what is with this trope of women in movies having their memories erased as, like, a good thing? Because, <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to be Just like, saying, I don't, I don't want a chick with baggage. That's, <laughs> that's I'm all not it gonna is. I'm going to say, like, oh, Blade Runner's fucking canceled, you know, because I fucking love Blade Runner. Right, yeah. You know, um, but when you see that trope again and again and again, you're like, what is the motivation for this? Like, what is this need for... I mean, is it as simple as what you just said as a joke? Like, no, you know, no, I like a bitch who's a blank slate. You know what I'm saying? Because you can fucking make her into whatever you want. I, I think that the notion that she has a history and that she had a life before this is immaterial. To, to actually make it so much worse than that. <laughs> to say, like, I don't care, like, who you are or where you came from. That you're here now. Now you matter. Yeah, now that you're fucking me. That's yeah. what fucking matters. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm i going to get pretty dark here, and I'm going to say that there are probably just enough rapists in Hollywood that, like, the idea <laughs> of, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you can just erase this woman's memories and she won't remember what you did to her, and that's fine, keeps coming up completely independently, and everyone thinks, like, oh, yeah, that's my new idea. <laughs> yeah. That's like galaxy brain worse. That's like, it isn't just that people have shitty ideas in movies. It's because we have a culture of like abusive uh, rapists writing movies. Yeah, like, damn, that's that's actually a good point. I hope it's not true. (laughs) That's terrible. Yeah, like, I guess when like every other screenwriter is basically a James Toback, like, (laughs) that's what you get. Well, well, hey. Okay, I'm currently looking through the credits on the back of this box, and I am not seeing the Weinstein Company. (laughs) (laughs) Harvey, he loved it. He loved it. (laughs) Um, The only film in the history of the Weinstein Company to be imported from a foreign country without any major cuts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's perfect the way it is. One thing that confused me is that this movie is in english um all the parts that aren't uh baudelaire yeah i mean it it couldn't be any 
Well, more also confusing Egyptian. If they were French. Well, yeah, yeah. They... Um, yes, there are there are, there are Egyptian gods speaking in Egyptian. And playing um, Monopoly, because oh I, yeah, because it's funny. We it, got two characters that are. We got two gods who are just killing time. It's funny that an immortal cat and an immortal dog are trying to figure out Monopoly. You know, if you put an immortal cat and an immortal dog together, I would think that they would fight in a comedic way. No, they would live together, and there would be immortal mass hysteria. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> that that's weak. But anyway, um, yeah, there's no reason for those cutaway scenes. Like the gags are not that good that you need to go back to the interior of the pyramid where. Oh, but they're such couple, beloved characters. Yeah, where a couple of like even furries would be like, "What the fuck? This isn't necessary." Right. <laughs> like I, most furries are funnier than this movie. <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> that is very true. Um. But yeah, like the the anyway, the movie is mostly in English, which um, you know I was a little surprised when I discovered this, and it led me to wonder: um, were they hoping for some kind of wildly successful international release? I'm sure it was, you know, a, a practical consideration that they're like, well, make it in English, we can release it in more countries. Maybe this was the D Wars Dragon Wars of the French cinema, just like. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll bet all our, we'll bet everything on this. This is good. This is what's going to make the French film industry break big in America. That's a that's a philosophical puzzle. Which is worse, this or D War? I, you know, I didn't oh, I've that. seen D War, and D War is much better. No rape there. No, oh, that's wow. true. Like D War is. <laughs> it also has stupid, Robert Forster. But... Yeah, that's right. And oh, Craig yeah. Robinson. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Robert Forster plays the the guy running the antique shop. Um, also, there was a very funny uh, riff tracks of uh, of uh, D War. Um, I don't know what the riff tracks guys would make out of this. I... Uh, fun fact: yeah. I went to D War for my birthday in uh, when I was a kid because the only other option was Balls of Fury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you made the safer bet. Growing That's up with a September birthday was not great in the mid two thousands. The only thing that was would be worse would be a February birthday. Yeah, January, February. Which is what I have, and in fact, I did see um, uh, Hannibal on my birthday. And this is why Jen <laughs> hates movies. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Hannibal written a red dragon. No, Hannibal. Okay. Oh. Yeah, Hannibal. Yeah. With with Gary Oldman as Mason Verger. I spent my birthday. Uh, Hannibal is the one by Ridley Scott. Is that it? Yes. Because I was like, ah, oh, dude, this is gonna be sick. It's a Ridley Scott movie. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Has Ridley Scott ever directed a good movie? Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this movie with Russell Crowe playing Noah. Right. Well, let me let me. Uh, well, there's also uh, no, no, the no, counselor. That's... Shit, no, that isn't that Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky, yeah, as part uh... of his like Bible trilogy that includes Mother, <laughs> which I also saw in the theater for Dude, my birthday. And Mother is fucking sick. I I love. Oh her. yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was dope. I couldn't like so many people hated it, and I was like, that movie was tight. What the fuck? Are you well, saying? I mean, the the thing, and I'm I'm sure I've said it before on this podcast, is the great thing about Mother is you don't have people just leaving saying, "Oh, I liked it." You have yeah. people like investing in opinions and how they felt about it, and I'm like, that's art. Like you're gonna engage people, and you can like say what you did or didn't like about it, rather than going like, "Oh, that's fun." 
Yeah, and um, that kind of swing for the fences is very bracing in the age of people being incredibly mad that not everybody in the world loves Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's that's great. Sometimes you get a movie like Mother. Sometimes you get a movie like Immortal. Yeah, and that's a funny jumping off point, which I think is very apt because there is something about Immortal which feels very hemmed in. And I don't know if that's, again, that's a function of its largely digital creation, but in spite of the fact that it is issuing from a very expansive three-volume comic book world, it still feels weirdly cheap constrained. Cheap as hell? Yeah. <laughs> cheap, constrained, like actors are good, like can't run too far without hitting the end of the digital sidewalk. And <laughs> there's a, there's a whole universe which has been compressed in a completely unintelligible way. Yeah, Everything it, just feels tight and uncomfortable and bad. And we haven't even talked about Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, like... It's probably like <laughs> what watching the Dark Tower movie is like. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Well, yeah, and it was probably just made at a time when people were trying to, you know, make movies on, like, a green screen, but really still treating it like a confined space in that mm -hmm. you... It is like literally meant to be like this unbounded location which is saying oh we can put anything we want back there but try and keep it within 30 square feet yeah infinite flying cars up to a point yeah yeah just don't go past this point and if you you know if you're talking to someone make sure you turn around or otherwise you fall at the end unimaginable of the creative power itty bitty shooting space yeah yeah and you and you know, perhaps this comparison is somewhat unfair because, you know, um, I get to use it as the jumping off point. Mother came out many years later, but you crash through room after room of an entire house and it's very raw and immediate and you feel it and you believe it. Yeah, I mean, that's a confined space, but I think it's because that space is... That turns into a defined. hell for one woman, yeah. you know? Uh, and... Part of it is, I think, it was an over-reliance on the green screen because, as we've seen before in you know better, popular, more successful movies, in that it isn't going whole hog saying, we're going to film this entire thing on this one soundstage and then CGI the hell out of it later. It is saying, um, you know, Jurassic Park, we're going to use CG where CG is appropriate. Mm -hmm. We're also going to use puppets and models and, you know, other things when those are the right tools for it. Like, yes, they did use a green screen for the bullet time effect in The Matrix, and then they went out and shot in real locations for all the scenes around that. We used the right tool for the right job. We didn't try and cram everything into this one CGI space. Because if you do that, it's, it, you know, it's the, when you have a hammer. That's how you get Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I wonder if it is also a function of, again, um, with the creator of, uh, let's call it what it is, an intellectual property, because that's all this movie fucking deserves. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> when you have the creator of said IP uh, basically unleashed to make his vision a reality, um, is this, does that 
draw any comparisons to perhaps another auteur with a hell of a lot of money and a very big digital toy box who made some incredibly dramatically inert and sterile films? Well, I think um, anyone uh, who knows a thing about movies would point out to said unnamed director that, you know, effects that aren't in service of the story are just a waste of time. I mean, it's spectacle. And you would want those effects to to first be couched in a meaningful drama with characters that you're engaged in rather than just having, I don't know, like a, a dumb, like a robot spinning four laser swords or something. Like who would give a shit about that? <laughs> I think Look, I, I think I've understood what you guys are getting mad at. And I have to say, Alita was actually really good. <laughs> uh, it was a hit. It was a big hit. It was really good. It made a lot of money. Look, she only looks like I mean, she's I 10. legitimately she's actually... think Alita kicked ass. <laughs> I didn't see it. I only, um, and, you know, I won't malign the movie without having seen it. I just find it incredibly funny that there was this contingent of Alita stands online who were more unhinged than K pop stands. I don't, yeah. Like, it, all you had to do was breathe the word, and these people would come and would flood your mentions. I'm I'm happy to not be a part of either of those fandoms. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the thing that initially turned me off about uh, Alita was like I'm just not interested in like the like a uh, combat capable super chick thing. Like I just I I think uh like Joe Whedon kind of wore it out for me. Tim refuses to call him by his nickname. By the way, right? Yeah. I. <laughs> I, I, I have to say I'm very insulted by the comparison of this film, uh, Alita Battle Angel, to a J-S-S-W-H-D-N film. Well, yeah, because I will, I'll go to bat for yeah, well, Cameron as a uh, filmmaker. Apologies, yeah. I mean, even after Avatar, which I thought was ridiculous, I will, I will defend... Cameron as a filmmaker because it's like you know what he makes the dumbest fucking movies but you know you're entertained in the theater you know I'll, yeah. I'll hand that to him and sometimes he does other interesting stuff like I I've hated Joss Whedon since before it was cool to hate Joss Whedon since the time when his reputation was absolutely unimpeachable and people would get really mad if you're like I, I'm sorry like I just don't fucking get Buffy yeah, yeah. I mean, I still haven't seen whatever those Avengers movies are that he wrote and maybe directed. Whatever. I'm, I'm oh, fine. God. That fine first Avengers it. movie is one of the worst movies of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> that that final shot where it's going out of Tony's office to a shot of Avengers Tower is straight out of an insurance commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's a comparison I've only ever made with two movies, uh, Avengers and Midsummer. Oh, fucking Midsummer! Agreed, Tim. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, from the very first still, you're like, oh, here's the whole movie. Like, if if you've seen movies like that before, like, because, I mean, I, I think I talked about it in an earlier podcast where it's like, it's a fun trick in horror movies to kind of, um, to prefigure the entire movie in like the first scene. And this movie did that, but I'm like, oh, okay, well, now I know what the whole movie is. Because like I've been around and like I've seen movies before, and I, I just just it was boring and and not engaging. And, Mother and is the stupid. better than slash actually good version of Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I don't 
you you don't need Midsummer to actually make that comparison. You can just say Mother is a good movie. I'll go a step further and say watch Penda's Fen instead. You do that too. Yeah, I just, uh yeah, it was Or fuck, watch A Field in England. Yeah. I think I've blocked out enough of uh Midsummer that I, I just remember. I'm like this movie's dumb <laughs> as hell. We but, to, uh, if you want to hear, if you want to hear a more midsummer discussion, listen to the first episode of Mature Listeners. There we go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I think we've gotten to the point where uh, we've said about all there is to say about the the topic movie because when the discussion, I, I it, forgot what we're the talking The discussion about. slackens it, into other movies, then we've probably put a bullet in the corpse. Yeah, well, play... it's like it's like trying to dance on a waxed car. You just keep falling off it into other things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say play the Blade Runner drinking game. Anytime you see something that invokes Blade Runner while watching this, take a shot. Um, <laughs> other than um, that... I will say that the male lead, uh, Thomas Kretschmann. Watch him in, in another movie? Well, I would like to know um, if there are any nudes of him. <laughs> well, um, just go on being. Exactly. Um, yeah. If this guy's ever showed his ass or his wiener in a movie, um, please DM me. Right. Uh, I want to I see that, that, uh, that bratwurst. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else that we want to say about Immortal? Is there any? Is there? Are, uh, is there anything from uh, uh, Les, Les Fleurs de Mal that we want to say? <laughs> okay, just one uh, I want to say uh, if you want to even enjoy this movie a little bit, don't look up Charlotte Rampling's comments on Me Too. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, so she's basically her character from The Night Porter. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, okay, one last so time. Instead of I, this, watch uh, The Night Porter and Speed Racer. <laughs> <laughs> watch them both at the same time. Uh, all right, all right. One last time. Can we please summarize the plot? <laughs> no, we cannot. It cannot be done. No. Right. The answer is none. Yeah. <laughs> Right, well, uh, well uh, New York City, year 2095, a floating pyramid has emerged in the skies above Manhattan. Stop! Inhabited... Stop! No! <laughs> Kill me! The Ouroboros has reached its tail. Um, you know, one thing that about, works. One thing about, I learned about Charlotte Rampling, and I, I apologize. I, I know we're probably going to cut it at yeah. uh, what Tim said, because that's really funny. But one thing that I want to say about uh, Charlotte Rampling, and I would like to apologize to the listeners. I did very minimal research on this movie. I had a very busy week. I had to complete a huge painting commission. So I'm sorry that there isn't a lot of information in this episode, which is usually what we strive for. But honestly, this movie... But I think it was funny. yeah, Yeah, but this movie... But let's be frank. This movie was a bull of fuck. It doesn't matter. But one thing that I listen, one thing that I learned about Charlotte Rampling is that apparently she lived in a like a menage a trois, like during the seventies with her husband and a, a male model. Okay. Damn. Well. And life goals. She was somewhat bemused at the public reaction to this. Obviously, it was uh, you know Polly wasn't like a thing okay. <laughs> back then, so <laughs> this is very confusing to people. It was just called being cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like people just fucked. That's what it was, you know. Uh, sometimes you had like a hot ass guy just living with you and your husband. Anyway, Charlotte Rampling, 
Uh, I will not look up those Me Too comments because I suspect they are about as no, bad I think as... that Charlotte Rampling heard that two men were having sex and she just said, Me Too. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, I completely misunderstood what Me Too was. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Yeah. What is it with French actresses and just saying incredibly head-ass shit? Like, in closing, says, je would like to speak for the nation de France. I would like to say I do not like the Muslims, and I think they should be killed. <laughs> New <laughs> apologies for this comment. <laughs> um, I did, um, oh, and I always like to, really quickly, maybe I can cut this in, um, in an earlier part. I don't know where I'll fit this in, but I do like finding uh, IMDb reviews of the movie because I, I love finding like just the most head ass IMDb reviews. Yeah. I like <laughs> that. It's so just some, some self serious basement dweller, but, um, not like us. I yeah. wish I had looked up the trivia page for this movie. Oh, the, the, the trivia page is great because, um, here's, here's uh, one of the trivia items from IMDb. The film takes place in 2095. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, knowing that, I got to give it a rewatch. That's that's not that is trivial. It's not trivia. <laughs> like what the fuck? Save it for movie details. I learned something from the movie. Horus like, is based on an actual god. Like that 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 is legitimately better trivia than something which is given in exposition in the fucking movie. Like Maybe there are people who don't know about the Egyptian gods, but yeah, Charlotte Rampling actually a real person. No. Yes. Yeah. I'm just. I'm. Bullshit. It's the second from the last one on that page. You know, I found um, one of the choice IMDb reviews because, of course, anybody who's moved to leave a review for this fucking movie, yeah, you know, probably they're not playing with a full deck. But anyway, the can you imagine dedicating like two hours of a podcast to this movie? Oh, the joke is on us. Yeah. But the heading of this review is this is not for kids and less for empty minded adults. Well, count me out. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. Sorry, for, I didn't make the cut. Yeah. First, first paragraph. One of the most surprising and disappointing things I read on other people's comments were the comparison with Pixar and, of course, the quality of the computer generated <laughs> images. What? It seems, comma, that U.S. public, comma, values art, capital letters, according to the technical resources of the artist more than the spiritually of the work. All right. Le cinema et art. In USA, that, that art has become almost absolutely dependent on business. We are in the second paragraph. The main reason I am anxious for digital, not film, movies, and projectors in every theater it is because I will able I will be able to see the real artists working, not just money making customer oriented factories. Productions will become less expensive, and everybody would be able to create and be judged for their work. Okay. Yeah. Signed, so, Pepe Le Pew. In, in the main, <laughs> oh, that's why I liked. That's why he liked all the rape in this movie. Oh. <laughs> um, in, the main, <laughs> in the meantime. Oh. Luckily, in Europe, mostly in France, of course, mm -hmm. there are still people interested in art in this movie. Had a go. Something should never happened in USA. 
A brief description of the argument follows. Okay, this guy's just having a fucking stroke. And then he proceeds to Hey, you need a deplatform, this chucklehead. Okay, this review is from 2004. <laughs> this guy was on the ground floor. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Early, early adopters are the worst, to say the truth. Um, but, okay, so moving forward 15 years, we are living in the future of easy access to digital filmmaking tools and digital cinema in most theaters. Movies fucking suck. <laughs> I mean, I think we found our tagline. I mean, like right now, currently, like in the last month, like our some of our greatest auteurs have been torn down by people for daring to say that movies based on entirely on making money and intellectual properties should be treated as you know something that they're not basically like popular mainstream media is the equivalent of fast food. I think we were here like 30 years ago. But. Yeah, and I mean that, and you know, real talk, Hollywood has always been a money-making enterprise. Every People have always wanted to get a fucking return on their investment. That has literally been the case since before any of the lots were built in this town. Like, they were turning out product. Like, you know, not everything is worthy of, from the period, is worthy of being shown on TCM. Like, there was a lot of crap yeah, it's again, it's it's it is a a movie making business that sometimes produces art. Yes, as a as a nice byproduct. Yes, and you know at the time what we had was a a running faucet of crap, and now we have a fire hose of crap, a, a curated <laughs> fire hose of crap. Yeah, so um, this fucking guy, I love IMDb reviewers. I I just love something. Them. Just Something the, I will say for this movie, uh, more than like any Marvel movie, I don't think 15 years later people will be talking about a given Marvel movie the same in the same depth that we're talking about it here. <laughs> well, the flip side um, is, and this is something which, you know, if we all live that long, I will delight in seeing this. Because Count me out. a lot of people who are pro-prequel are anti- the current the sequels they're very against the current disney owned star wars movies um yeah it's like the enemy of my enemy but i mean i don't <laughs> well, well this it, is the, but this is the thing okay you know i'm not going to go to bat for the disney star wars movies like they're fine you know like i saw them in the theater and i had fun they don't hold up if you try to analyze them afterward you know like they're they're pretty weak but in 20 years I will laugh so fucking hard when the think pieces start coming out is that are basically, you know, the Disney Star Wars films, episodes seven, eight, and nine, just underrated masterpieces. And it's going to be exactly <laughs> like the people who are like, you know what? No, the prequels are actually like really fucking good. And all the people who fucking hated the sequels are going to be feeling the way I do when people try to fucking tell me that the prequels are actually good. <laughs> And folks, uh, this is what your $2 monthly pledge gets. I just, you know, want to thank you. It gets me caffeine. I want to thank you for that dollar uh. that I get every 30 days. Uh, did we, are we done with Immortal? This movie fucking sucks. I'm, I, I, I think we're done with Immortal. I was done with I Immortal. I think we're done with yeah. Immortal, and you can find me on Twitter at F-U-C-K-I-N-A-L-P-A-M-A-R-E. You can find Small Talk at TalkSmall and at 
at uh, smalltalk.blogspot.com. I am at P L A Y S T A T I O N. <laughs>